Well, good morning. Thanks for being here. I, uh, when I got here, I asked Bob if I could move the pulpit and put a uh, music stand here. As a church planner, I feel a lot more comfortable behind a music stand these days. But um, I don't actually know why I did that. I don't have anything on it. It's just blank. I, it's, just, it's just there for my comfort uh, so I can play with it. Um, well, so uh, as Bob said, uh, this conference started five years ago as uh, really just uh, the elders and I talking about, uh, at this church, talking about this issue of pornography that continued to uh, multiply and develop, and all of us were having conversations with others about it, and I thought, let's just get everyone together and let's talk about it. So we planned it as a one-time sort of event, and then it kind of snowballed from there into uh, now our fifth uh, annual Porn Kills Conference. And even from the very beginning, one of the things that we wanted to talk about from the very beginning was an angle of the conversation around pornography that we don't typically talk about. Um, that typically in the church, when we speak about pornography, it sort of lives in this realm of uh, talking about lust and our personal uh, relationship with the Lord. And, and that's, that is certainly a place um, to begin addressing it. But I think there is actually a broader uh, way to address this and some things that um, a lot of people don't know about the pornography industry that I didn't know about the pornography industry and uh, that I've learned uh, that I think are, is really important to talk about. Um, and so just to uh, sort of set it up, um, the reality is we're going to talk about a lot of really hard things this morning uh, surrounding the pornography industry and its relationship to sex trafficking. Um, and all of those things I say not to add shame to anyone uh, struggling with pornography. As we talked about last night, that what we need to do is actually take away the shame, uh, which we're going to talk about later in my second address. I'm going to talk about some of those things and removing the shame uh, around uh, the issue of pornography so that we can talk about it. But I do think uh, for us to actually tackle an issue, we need to understand the truth of an issue. Uh, and so uh, also I speak as one, I was on uh, the panel last night from an addict's perspective as a former uh, addict of pornography. And so I, I don't speak as one coming from some moral high ground uh, speaking condemnation, but actually one who has uh, been rescued out um, seeking to rescue others and, and also to, to showcase the light on what is uh, what I would call one of the most unjust and insidious things in our culture. And one that is really uh, literally destroying lives. Uh, and so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. The injustice of porn, the industry and its impact on society. Uh, Richard Land said this, Hardcore pornography is the greatest danger this country is facing. As, and as Lisa talked last night, uh, if you were here last night, you heard some of the things around this. Uh, pornography is the leading cause of divorce, and in the next 10 years, we are looking at an avalanche of sex crimes. Uh, I think if you are following the news recently, there has been a lot of conversation around sexual harassment um, and uh, sexual assault, and more and more people keep coming forward uh, with allegations against high prominent um, celebrities. This is the beginning of this avalanche. Uh, this is going to continue to come more and more because of what pornography has done in reshaping our culture. This is what is coming. 
So in order for us to actually understand the connection between pornography and sex trafficking, I'm going to back up and define sex trafficking for us, uh, and then we're going to define pornography, and then we're going to kind of move through from there. Uh, so uh, there was a law passed uh, in 2000, the, tra- uh, the Trafficking Victims Protection Act, uh, defined human trafficking as the recruitment, harboring, transportation, provision, or obtaining of a person for one of three purposes, right? So it's, it's taking a person, recruiting them, harboring them, transporting them for one of three purposes. One, labor or services through the use of force, fraud, or coercion for the purposes of subjection to involuntary servitude, uh, debt bondage, or slavery, Right, so that's, that's uh, human trafficking in, in the form of uh, labor slavery. That's partially how we think about human trafficking. Two, a commercial sex act through the use of force, fraud, fr- fr- right? So human trafficking is if, if you coerce someone, recruit someone, move someone into uh, a commercial sex act, through the use of force, fraud, or coercion. That is human trafficking. So this is starting to redefine how we think about prostitution. Um, And for a long time, prostitution was uh, very much geared towards uh, persecuting and prosecuting uh, uh, the female uh, prostitute, more more likely it was female prostitutes, uh, prosecuting them and criminalizing that versus actually going after those who were coercing and forcing it. we are now learning that there is almost no voluntary prostitution. That just doesn't really exist. It's all through the use of fraud, coercion, or force. Um, And so that is now defined as human trafficking, which is a huge step forward. Three, any commercial sex act, if the person is under 18 years of age, regardless of whether any form of coercion is involved, This is really important. If the person is under the age of 18, it is human trafficking. Regardless of any motive, circumstance, there is no question it is human trafficking. That's how our law defines it. If a person is under the age of 18 and is moved into a commercial sex act, it is human trafficking. So this is really important. So that's what sex trafficking is. Now how big of a problem is that? Well, so... Uh, there's, there's varying numbers, but sort of a middle-of-the-road number, not the most uh, aggressive number or the most conservative number. A middle-of-the-road number is around 27 million uh, in some form of slavery or human trafficking. Uh, sex slavery, the, the conservative uh, estimate is 4.5 million worldwide. Now, the reality is that number is actually really hard to track and is a growing number. It's hard to track because it's hard to know what constitutes coercion, what constitutes fraud, what constitutes force. Sometimes those things, as we're going to talk about, are not readily available or seen. Um, they're hard to detect. So that's, that's what uh, sex trafficking is. So we, we've got to, actually we've talked about pornography quite a bit already uh, last night and, and into this morning. But we haven't really actually looked at even defining what it is, right? Um, so, pornography is, uh, the word is derived from the Greek word pornographos, meaning writings about prostitutes. So, if we're to understand what pornography is, we need to understand what prostitution is. According to uh, Black's Law Dictionary, prostitution is defined as the act or practice of engaging in sexual activity for money or its equivalent. 
and is illegal in the U.S. except for 11 counties in Nevada around Las Vegas. So, if you remember, let's go back to this, uh, Commercial Sex Act, right? That is what this is, the act or practice of engaging in sexual activity for money or its equivalent. That's what a commercial sex act is, right? The exchange of sex for money or its equivalent is a commercial sex act. So if we look at the definition of sex trafficking, a commercial sex act through the use of force, fraud, or coercion, that is what prostitution is, right? So really what we're doing is defining what prostitution really always has been. It's always really been human trafficking. And if you're under the age of 18, it is human trafficking, regardless of anything related to it. So now, how does that relate to pornography? Well, pornography is essentially a commercial sex act that is filmed. Right? There is a sex act that happens, and there is the exchange of money. So somehow, we have defined in this culture that as long as you add a camera and allow more people to view it, it's legal. Does that not seem odd? Right? Like that we have said, as long as there's a camera and we can justify it as some sort of entertainment, there's still a commercial sex act happening. There's still money being exchanged for sex. And as long as more people can view it, then we're okay with it. That doesn't really make sense, does it? But why I think this is important is we have to move pornography in our minds out of the realm of entertainment which is not where it belongs, out of the realm of education, which is not where it belongs, out of the realm of uh, just thinking about my personal lust issue, and into the realm of prostitution and human trafficking, because that's what's going on. And that's what we're going to talk about more and more as we move into this. That's what's happening behind the camera that you don't see. And so, if we're going to actually address this issue, we have to address it holistically and look at what's actually happening to the people who are engaging in pornography. Now, why does porn exist? This is really important, that we have to ask this question and answer it rightly. Why does porn exist? I'm going to argue that there are two reasons that porn exists. One is the personal sexual satisfaction of the consumer. It has absolutely nothing to do with the sexual satisfaction of the producer or or the actor, right? It has nothing to do with the sexual satisfaction of the actor. It has everything to do with the sexual satisfaction of the consumer. That's why it exists. That's what it's driven towards. It's what producers do. And the money for the producer. You see that actually the actor... The, the person in pornography, if we can call them an actor, depending upon, um, as we look into it, some of them are, are, are actually just trafficked victims, has nothing to do with it. Right? This lie that we have been bought, or that we have been sold, is that people are consensually assenting to this and enjoying it, and so it's totally fine for you to enjoy as well. But that's a lie. Pornography does not exist for that purpose. It exists for the sexual satisfaction of the consumer and money for the producer. So that's really important for us to keep in mind. 
Because we need to know not only, uh, again, there are, there are two things that I'm thinking about through this whole time. If you are one who is struggling with or addicted to or, uh, or f- struggling to figure out where you are with pornography, you need to know what you're actually doing. And secondly, all of us need to know that this is a huge justice issue. That there are those who are being taken advantage of for the sexual satisfaction of consumers and for money for producers. Lots of money. We're not talking small money. We're talking lots of money. Well, how big is porn? We talked about this a little bit last night, um, so I'll I'll move pretty quick through this. But uh, from a website called StopPornCulture.org, the sex industry is the largest and most profitable industry in the world. It includes street prostitution, brothels, massage parlors, strip clubs, human trafficking for sexual purposes, phone sex, child and adult pornography, mail-order brides, and sex tourism, just to mention a few of the most common examples. We're talking big money. Now, this, this is a crazy stat. I shared this first number at uh, a chapel that I was speaking at at Indiana Wesleyan, and a student came up to me afterwards and, and shared with me the, the second numbers. Uh, in 2016 alone, more than four billion, 4.6, almost 4.6 billion hours of porn were watched on the world's largest porn site. Just one website in one year, 4.6 billion hours. Now that number is huge and hard to kind of grapple with, so let's break it down. That's 525,000 years in one year. If, if we are to take a, a, a lower lifespan, the lifespan for males, I think, in our country is almost 80 years. But let's assume a 70-year lifespan, because the math is neater. Uh, that's 7,500 lifetimes of pornography viewing in one year. This is a huge issue. There's no way around seeing this as what... Lisa called it last night, a tsunami, a dragon that is overtaking our culture. That's in one year, on one website, one website. Well, how could pornography possibly lead to sex trafficking? How is this link? So I've, I've given uh, uh, this address a few times, and there's, there's some consistent pushback that I've received, that that I want to kind of address some of the consistent pushback by actually showing how these things lead to it. First is supply and demand. Pornography creates the demand for instant sexual gratification. Pornography creates a demand, and as we talked about last night, it, like all addictions, escalate. It escalates. And so, because pornography specifically is related to sexual deviance, right? The high that you receive in viewing pornography is because it's deviant, because it's secret, because it's hidden. That means to get a greater high when the law of diminishing returns happens, which always happens, right? You need more of what caused that high as you get addicted to it, which means you need more deviant sexual activity. Right? It leads to more deviant sexual behavior because that's where it gets its high. And so it is creating a demand that those who want to produ- get money will produce a supply for. Eventually it moves into let's seek out a real person. But let's not seek out a real person in a real relationship 
which comes with difficulty and, uh, and uh, um, strife and potential rejection and all of these other things, right? Like real relationships take work. And pornography has sold me this lie that sex doesn't take work. It's just freely given and I can take it whenever I want. Then that means if I'm pursuing sex with a real person, I'm going to take it whenever I want it. Which means I'm going to try and get it through these means. It's creating a demand. But, but one of the things, right, that we've already talked about. But the porn industry is full of people who are willingly participating. So it's not the same, right? That's a pushback I get sometimes. But, but these people are willingly doing it, right? Because, I mean, who would, how did they get filmed? How did they sign up for that if, if they weren't willingly doing it? They, they willingly did it. This, friends, is a lie that the porn industry will try to sell you, and they are good at selling it, but it is a lie. Pornography itself uses trafficked victims. Uh, according to a website called Morality and Media, pimps are operating more and more online as it becomes easier to connect with potential buyers and to remain anon- anonymous. Popular websites like Craigslist and Facebook have become virtual brothels where one can quickly find prostituted women and children to engage in sex acts. Right? If the internet is being used for sex trafficking, here's, here's the thing that we're going to find, and, and I'll get to this in a moment in a slide, is you can't tell the difference between a trafficked victim and a non-trafficked victim. You can't tell the difference. The porn industry is very good at it. As addictions to pornography increase, users seek harder and harder material. There's a recent boom in the availability of live porn as trafficked children and women are forced to perform on-demand sex acts in front of web cameras as John's porn users watch. Live porn is a growing thing, a growing industry, and it's using trafficked victims. Porn users do not and cannot distinguish between trafficked women, prostitutes, and porn stars. You can't tell the difference. And here's proof of it. There was a a woman who was, uh, a trafficked woman was featured on the cover and in a photo spread inside Taboo, a publication owned by Hustler Magazine Group. This is not like a a small, like, uh, hidden, like, dark uh, porn magazine. This is like more mainstream pornography. The producers the folks working in the camera crew, none of them knew that this was a trafficked woman. She was. You can't tell the difference. So the porn industry is preying on those who have been trafficked. And they are a part of it. And this is the only, the only way we find out about it is when they get caught. So the likelihood is that it's happening more and more frequently than this. In nine countries, almost half, 49%, said that pornography was made of them while they were in prostitution. So this is really important, right? If we are defining prostitution as a commercial sex act, right? If most prostitution, I would argue all prostitution, uh, maybe, maybe there's the rare form in which there isn't coercion, force, or fraud, but I would say let's assume that there is coercion, force, and fraud in prostitution. Because the reality is that that is the case. And so let's assume that that means 
that, pros- that pornography is being made of those who are trafficked. In half of these cases, in nine separate countries, people said that they, pornography was made of them while they were in prostitution. Now, do you think that they are also getting paid for that pornography? Right? No. They are not getting paid for that, and that is going money to the producer. It is being made outside of their knowledge of it or without their permission for it and being sent out. This is a huge issue. Pornography also, I would argue, is the practice run for sex trafficking. Is the practice run for the Johns, those who are buying sex from others, are trained through pornography what they want, how they want it, and where to get it. It is the training ground for that. It is the training ground for violent objectification of women for your own personal pleasure without any regard to them, which is what prostitution is. It's also the practice run for sex trafficking for those trafficked. Trafficked victims are forced to watch pornography to learn what people want. They're also forced to watch pornography to desensitize them and to break them in order to make them owned and controlled by pimps. That's what happens in trafficked victims. They are forced into these things. And also it's the practice run for society. The reality is, the reason we don't hear, okay, so we're starting to hear more about sex trafficking, right? It's kind of the, the one justice cause that makes a lot of headway on college campuses. Unfortunately, the reality is college campuses are also the number one uh, consumer of pornography, which doesn't make any sense. You can't be against sex, sex trafficking and consume pornography. That doesn't work. But we're starting to hear a little bit more about it, but still, with the amount of issues that exist around this, why do we not hear about this more and more? Why are we not fighting this with an aggression to end this? It's because we've been trained as a society that objectification of women violently through pornography is okay. Because the statistics, if we are looking at the statistics that we did last night, we're all sort of complicit in it. And it's hard to fight something you're complicit in. We've been trained as a society that it's okay to traffic and abuse women, even though we wouldn't say that, but through pornography we have basically said that. It's okay. It's just entertainment. Now, I would also argue that pornography is violent in and of itself and many non-trafficked women, in terms of non-trafficked in the technical term, uh, are hurt in mainstream pornography. This is from a former porn star, Shelley Lubin. She says, most of the people who join the porn industry come from broken homes. Many of the girls are sexually abused. So the porn industry actually lures in these kind of people to exploit them. So basically, when someone is watching pornography, what you're really doing is contributing to the demise and destruction of adult survivors of sexual child abuse who are on drugs and have physical disease. That's really what you're watching because I promise you, nobody in that industry is healthy. This is from mainstream. This is not 
the, the, the hidden back alley stuff. This is the mainstream pornography industry. This is a quote from a current or former porn star from Shelley Lubin's website. Well, I grew up in a small town in Ohio, and when I was 10 years old, I was raped by, my high, by a high school boy that was about 16. And from there, my mother had an older boyfriend that molested me. So my entire childhood was really shaped by these traumatic sexual experiences, which ultimately led me to the streets of Hollywood and to porn. Those who are abused are more likely to act out sexually because their, their, their whole world has been shaped around sexual abuse. And it, and it does things to you that make you do things that you wouldn't normally do. And that's what is filling the pornography industry. This is from a porn producer. Even the mildest pornography is shocking to the average person. I'm surprised it's legal. Max Hardcore, another former porn performer and producer. I'm not here to apologize. I'm just here to say we make entertainment and let's see how far we can take it. Now these are pretty light quotes. There's far more challenging and difficult to read things. But... Here, here's the thing, you're only talking about the bad stuff, not the good kind of pornography, right? There, there's this good kind that exists out there, right? It has always been self-evident, it has always seemed self-evident that pornography is nothing more than a form of expression. Pornography is a mere expression only in the trivial sense that a fall from the Empire State Building is a mere stumble, since it's hitting the ground that's fatal. The point of what he's saying is, is that to define pornography as mere expression misses what it actually ends up doing. And as we talked about last night, it can actually end up being fatal. Either in the form of suicide or uh, moving into places that are dangerous and spaces that are dangerous because of your addiction. It can actually prove to be fatal. And not just fatal for the consumer, but also for those a part of it. Pornography by its very nature is an equal opportunity toxin. It damages the viewer, the performer, and the spouses and the children of the viewers and the performers. It's a toxic miseducation about sex and relationships. It is more toxic the more you consume, the harder the variety you consume, and the more and the younger and more vulnerable the consumer. Lisa brought this out last night. After analyzing top-selling pornographic content, 304 sex scenes were observed for both physical and verbal aggression. 88% of scenes contained physical aggression. 49% of scenes contained verbal aggression. And we are surprised and shocked that allegations of sexual harassment and assault continue to come forward. We should be saddened, but we should not be shocked. Because this is the mainstream of pornography. According to Covenant Eyes, this is, this is really important. This is one of the huge justice components. 90% of free porn websites and nearly 100% of pay porn websites buy their material rather than create it themselves. They cannot be sure where it comes from. So if the porn industry isn't sure where the video comes from, and there is evidence that trafficked women are used in the porn industry, and they're just buying it from whoever will sell it to them because they're making a killing on advertising, they're making tons of money, that they can just buy it, we really have no idea where it's coming from. And the likelihood is that it's coming from amateurs 
who are creating it, potentially without, most likely without the consent of those in it, and making money off of it. Either those who are tricked into it or trafficked into it. When we think of human trafficking, I think often, uh, last year we had uh, a local expert, Watasha Griffin, here speaking about human trafficking. Because typically when we hear human trafficking or sex trafficking, we think like uh, the movie Taken or something like that, right? We think like this like super intense, like very rare thing that happens where somebody sneaks into your house and steals someone. That's typically not how it happens. Typically it is those who prey on the most vulnerable, those who are sexually assaulted, those who run away from home, those who come from broken homes, the, they prey on those folks and typically the promise is, I'll make you a star. Or here, let me buy you your favorite shoes. Let me groom you as, I'm going to be your boyfriend, significantly older than you, and, and groom you into this. This happens on the streets in Muncie. Right, Muncie actually is a hub between Chicago and Indianapolis. We receive a fair bit of trafficked women between those two as they're being moved around because they're moved around a lot so that they're harder to track. This is not something that happens in the sort of, uh, I, I mean, certainly the rare cases of, of abducting people. That, that certainly does happen, but it's more rare. This is the coercion, the come alongside, let me make you... Let me make you some money as a model. Let, let's let's come, come get this job. I, I'll make you a star. This is how it starts. Which makes it much tougher to track and much tougher to prove that there's coercion and fraud and force. But that's really what's going on. There's coercion, fraud, and force happening. This is uh, new trends that are happening. Uh, A Google Trends analysis indicates that searches for teen porn have more than tripled between 2005 and 2013. And teen porn was the fastest growing genre over this period, reaching an estimated 500,000 daily in March 2013, representing approximately one-third of total daily searches for pornographic websites. Now remember our definition earlier of human trafficking. If they're under the age of 18, Commercial Sex Act, it is human trafficking, no questions asked. Doesn't matter whether you were willingly producing it, whether you were it does under 18, it's human trafficking. So right here, we are having people search for human trafficked victims. Teen porn by definition is human trafficking. But again, remember, pornography thrives on sexual deviance. So the reality of the increase in this is because. We need greater highs, and so we pursue more deviant sexuality. According to a massive study of the adult entertainment industry by John Millwood, in which he interviewed 10,000 porn stars, he found that the most common female role in porn is women in their 20s portraying teenagers. The most common role for women is portraying teenagers. And... Right? Most paid porn websites don't get their... They don't make their own material. They buy it from someone else. And so maybe they're buying from someone else who says, this is a girl in her 20s playing a teen. But maybe it's not a girl in her 20s. Maybe it's an actual teen. Because that's what people are actually wanting. So we're going to give them what they want. 
pornography uses trafficked victims. Increase in child pornography. According to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, more than 3.3 million reports of suspected child sexual exploitation have been made to the cyber tip line between 98 and January of 2015. Again, from Covenant Eyes, in 2008, more than 560 college students responded to an online survey. 15% of boys and 9% of girls had seen child pornography. We talked about this last night. Um, Lisa did a good job of talking about these things because of the damage to the frontal lobe of your brain. Uh, this is very evident why this happens, right? There's biology behind, physiology behind why this is happening, but studies uh, report the same thing. Decreased empathy for rape victims. Increasingly aggressive behavioral tendencies. Report believing that a woman who dresses provocatively deserves to be raped. Report anger at women who flirt but then refuse to have sex. Report decreased sexual interest in their girlfriends or wives. Report increased interest in coercing partners into unwanted sex acts. This is men uh, viewing pornography. Right, The injustice of this industry is related not just only to the sex trafficking component, but also to what it's doing to our society and culture. It's creating men and increasingly women who are unable to feel empathy for those who are sexually exploited. Right? Which is porno- the porn industry's greatest trick. Our thing that we produce gives us greater freedom to keep producing it because it tricks you into thinking that it's not a big deal. It's an ingenious lie from Satan himself. There are no studies and no data that indicate a benefit from pornography use. Zero. The society is awash in pornography, so in fact the data is in. If pornography made us healthy, we would be healthy by now. Are we as a culture sexually healthy? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We are not sexually healthy as a culture. And we are awash with pornography. It's a lie to believe that it makes us healthy. So if all of this is true, why hasn't it been more broadly known? America wants porn more than justice. That's the reality, right? We can maybe say otherwise, but the reality is that we are more concerned to keep porn than to pursue justice. Porn sites, as we talked about last night, regularly receive more traffic than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined. Well, what, what are we to do in the midst of this? So one of the things that I think is really important about this conference is that we start to have the conversation around seeking justice. Isaiah 1, 16 through 17 says this, Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, and plead the widow's cause. There are two aspects to this that I think relate to the pornography conversation. Ceasing to do evil and seeking justice. And I think oftentimes when we as the church gather to talk about pornography, we end on ceasing to do evil. We end in talking about, okay, between you and the Lord, this is a sin against God and Him alone. That is true. And you must cease to do evil before the Lord. Absolutely. 
And it negatively affects your walk with Jesus. And it negatively affects your marriage and your relationships. But if we stop there, the Lord would say to us that we are not seeking justice. That we are meant to be a people who not just stop when things uh, when, it, when it stops affecting my personal relationship. But that this is a call to all Christians, whether or not you deal with the issue of pornography. This is a justice issue that we must seek justice for those who are marginalized and oppressed. And sex trafficking victims certainly fit that. That we are to seek justice. Well, how do we do that? Well, the first thing is to stop looking at porn. Now. If we are, from here on out, if you've never heard any of these things, you are no longer able to say, I'm ignorant to the porn industry. You have heard. And, and what I want to do, right, is, is to say, not, not to heap shame, but to actually address you with the power of the gospel. You have to know what your sin is actually doing. Your sin is not just hurting yourself and your spouse or your partner or your girlfriend, or your boyfriend, your sin is hurting other people who have been trafficked into it. You are participating in the exploitation of women and children and men. You have to know that. Because then the power of the gospel meets your real sin, which is exploiting others. And Jesus died for you to be forgiven of that sin. It's not like you're now, because you're not only just sinning personally against the Lord and against your spouse, but also against others, that now you're somehow apart from the gospel. No, the gospel is true even in the midst of that. The blood of Jesus forgives even the oppressor. And there is grace from the Lord Jesus Christ. To all who are struggling. Repent of your sin of exploiting others. And turn to Jesus. And get help. It's an addiction. We talked about it last night. You have to actually pursue getting help. It cannot be done on your own. We're going to talk about that more later. But it cannot be done on your own. So you have to pursue help. You have to learn more. Uh, two websites that I would, uh, I would suggest, fightthenewdrug.org, that's my favorite, uh, especially college students, high school students, it's really well designed for us to engage. Um, it's, it's made for millennials, really, uh, for sure. Uh, stoppornculture.org has a lot of information as well. Raise awareness through social media, conversations, classwork. Uh, literally, this happens. Every year we do this conference, someone tells me, like, I have a professor who actually talked about the health benefits of pornography. At Ball State. And I'm like, well, tell them how it is. And those conversations happen. And professors who expertise is in health education or whatever are actually awakened to new knowledge. This is not popular. You have to say it, though. You have to say it. You have to raise that awareness. Challenge friends. Right? It's not just a, well, it's not my issue and they're doing their thing. They're exploiting others doing their thing. Stop allowing porn to be mainstream and cool. I th- I, so, uh, 
because I have the mic, I get to just say uh, what I want. But can we stop saying porn as like a good thing, like food porn or uh, whatever, like whatever it is, like what that does is mainstream pornography as this okay expression of indulgence in things. Stop allowing that to be the case. Our words matter. This is not a mainstream or cool thing. Advocate for existing laws to be enforced. Uh, so number nine, I say this every time, I don't actually know how to do this, but I'm hoping that somebody at some of these conferences is going to take change their career direction to fight this through the law. The porn industry has to be held accountable. Where are your actors coming from? Are they over 18? Are they consenting? Somebody has to ask these tough questions because otherwise they're getting away with it over and over and over again. This porn industry is a demonic force in, in, in just invading our culture and somebody has to ask the questions. To make them accountable. Again, I have no idea how that works. But hopefully somebody here does. Hopefully some of you will change your career path to pursue justice in this way. New laws need to be created. We need to get creative and use our gifts. Volunteer to help with sex traffic victims. So through the the Hope Center, right? Is that what it's called? Hope Center. Through the uh, Light and Darkness Ministry. There's another ministry also that I have... Uh, come in contact with called Ascent 121 out of Indianapolis as well that uh, works with trafficked victims. One way to pursue justice and seek justice is to actually help those who have been trafficked and actually pursue those things. All right, that's the end of of, uh, my uh, slides. But what I want to say too is, so I know that this is hard. Like this is a deep, hard, emotionally draining topic. But the reality is, For us in the church, God has called us to pursue his kingdom. And that means more than just my personal piety before the Lord, but actually seeking to influence mercy and compassion for others. Uh, Let me pray for us real quick. God, thank you for uh, our time together. God, uh, we do pray that you would help us to seek justice. God, we pray that you would do something in us and through us to end this and to be about the the bringing to an end of this porn industry and the injustice that it pursues and that jesus you would gain all the glory and honor for it we pray in christ's name amen